Let's pray. Father God, we just ask that you would um, be with us here today, um, that you would um, just bless us next um, 30 minutes, 45 minutes of studying your word here, Lord, that um, you would calm all of our hearts, calm all of our minds, help us to stay focused, and that your spirit would just take um, the, the study here the lesson from your word, and apply it to each one of our hearts, Lord. Um, as Jonathan said, um, you daily conform us to the image of your glorious Son. And, and Lord, today is not um, an, an exception to that. And so we just pray that you would continue to mold us and shape us into um, who you'd want us to be, Lord. And pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. This past week, I did something that was kind of shocking to some people. I got a dog. Um, if, if you know, I'm more of a cat person. Um, but after listening to Scott's sermon a couple weeks ago, where he said, when you take care of a cat, the cat thinks it's God. But when you take care of a dog, the dog thinks you're God. And I was like, hey, I need a dog then, right? Um, but it made me think more about, about that relationship and my relationship with God and how they are really very similar. Um, my, I, my dog is a French bulldog. Her name is Vina, and she's dependent upon me for all her needs. She's dependent upon uh, the food. She doesn't, she doesn't go out and work and get her own food. I put it in a cup and I put it in her bowl, and she's dependent upon that. She's dependent upon going outside to take care of business and to go for walks. She's dependent upon me for shelter and for her to stay out of the elements and to stay warm when it's cold outside or stay cool when it's hot outside. And she's also dependent upon me when she has uh, medical issues. If she gets sick, I have to take care of her. If um, parts of her um, body starts to fail, whether it be her eyes or or her legs or her hips or whatever, she's relying upon me to take care of her. But in all of that taking care of, there is this element of waiting. She's waiting for me to feed her. She's waiting for me to take her outside. If she gets sick, she's waiting for me to take her to the, to the vet. And while she's doing, doing that waiting, she's demonstrating her trust in me. As she's waiting on me to act in her need, she's demonstrating trust in me. And she's also demonstrating hope that while when she has these needs and she's looking at me, she's expecting me with confidence to take care of her, to take care of these needs. And for us, waiting on God is no different. When we're waiting on God, we're, we're putting our trust in him that he's working, and then we're putting our hope in him that, that what he's working will come to pass. And that's what we're going to do today, is look at what it means to wait on God in, in the realms of trusting and hoping on God. And these verses that we're going to look at, and a lot of them are in the Psalms, um, kind of show us how we should be waiting, or what we should be doing while we're waiting. Because this isn't a, a sit-back let go, let God kind of thing. There are things that he expects of us to do, that he wants us to do. 
Um, and, and so we're going to see that here. So first we're going to look at waiting on God as a demonstration on trusting God. And that's where we need to go to Psalm 25 and in verse 5. Where it says, lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all day. All the day. I'm sorry about that. First, we have to notice the humility in this verse here. The, the psalmist here, David, he's, he's come to the end. Uh, verse 4, it starts with, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. What, what he's going through, he's came to the end of all his resources and all of his abilities. He, he's he, he, can't do, he can't find his way out of this. And so he's turning to the Lord and said, I've got nothing. I need you. I need you to show me your way, O oh Lord. I need you to tell me what you would want me to do. I need you to teach me. I need you to, to lead me. And we're going to see more of this element of humility later. But notice one other thing aside from the waiting all the day, from kind of sitting back um, and, and, and just and relying on, on God and being dependent upon God and trusting that he will do these things, he's praying to God. He's reaching out to God. He's calling out to God. And he's doing this in his waiting because he trusts that God will answer him. He trusts that God is, will hear him. Now, the next psalm we're going to look at is Psalm 145, in verses 15 through 16. Here, we demonstrate our trust in God as we wait for our daily needs. The eyes of all look expectantly to you. This here, this is all of creation is looking to God, expecting him to provide. And in this next line here, it says, and you give them food, their food in due season. They're not looking at uh, their ability to, ability to hunt. That was a gift given to God. They're not looking at their ability to go out, work, and earn. They're looking to God, to all of creation is looking to God and expecting him to feed them at their due season the way my dog looks at me and expects me to feed her um, when it's time. He goes on to say, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. And while we're waiting for God to, to, to provide this food, while creation is waiting uh, on God to provide, uh, 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 to fulfill this desire here, creation is demonstrating that we can trust in God because he's proved himself to be sovereign. Because he's, he's made a way for this food to come to creation. He's made a way for creation to be fed. And also, we're trusting that God is good. That what he has made, what he owns, what he controls, he takes care of. And that he wants these, his creation to be taken care of. We trust that he cares about us. And that he loves his creation. 
And then there's a, a compassion that he has and, and a sympathy or, or at times even empathy. And we see this in Matthew 6. This one's not on the board. But if you uh, re- recall the section about not worrying, Jesus talks about the birds in the air, how these guys or girls don't do anything to earn their food. They don't go out and plant seed and harvest. They don't go out and, and, and raise Okay, so I just went from bird to human. Um, well, they don't, the, the worms in the ground, they don't do anything to create those worms, to make those worms come up. Or, or the, bigger, the bigger birds that eat fish. I was at uh, Pymantumian Lake one time, and I got to see this, this great hawk just come down and swoop a fish out of the lake. What did that bird do to bring about that fish? Nothing. God provided it. And he goes on to talk about how the lilies of the field are, are, are clothed, clothed in beauty here. And, and, then, and how the lilies don't do anything to, to earn that, to, to, to provide those things for themselves. And the point is that we shouldn't be worried about the food we eat or the clothes we wear because your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And that as we're waiting and we're searching out his kingdom and his righteousness first, there's that promise that he will add all these things to you. James 1 also talks about how, how, how God gives. He's, he's, James is writing to, to Christians that are in, conflict, are in trials here. And, and he says, if you're in the midst of this and you're lacking wisdom, turn to God. Pray to God. Trust that God will... Um, Provide that wisdom to you. Don't, 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 don't be moved by your emotions. Don't, don't try to, um, um, don't, don't raise your reason, ability to reason above what it is intended for, because no one has perfect reasoning. But turn to God for wisdom. And that next part says that God will give you liberally this wisdom that he's, that he's, um, that, that, that you're praying for. And, and this is how we demonstrate our trust in God as we wait for our daily needs. We, 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 we um, uh, 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 trust his sovereignty, his goodness, his care for us. We pray to him and we ask. And, and we just trust that he will provide us the things that, that we need. But what about when we think we're not being provided for? What if, uh, um, like Scott's sermon was a few weeks ago, we see everyone else prospering and, and being provided for, but we feel shunned. Well, Psalm 37 talks about that, that we, how we can demonstrate our trust in God when it appears that we are not being provided for. And it starts off with trust in the Lord and do good. Don't sin. Don't be unfaithful, but do, but trust in God, and continue in the work that we're supposed to do. Continue to be the people that we're supposed to be. Dwell in the land. Keep living your daily lives. Don't, don't get all um, like a chicken with his head cut off and run about, but do what you're supposed to do and feed on his faithfulness. Get strength from God. Trust his faithfulness and, and fill yourself up with that. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Focus on God. 
Don't, don't be overcome with anxiety and concern and, 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 and being distraught and being distressed over the situation, but turn to the Lord and delight in him, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Be steadfast. Be, be resolved that you will not um, uh, go against the Lord, but that you're, you're committed to the Lord, that you will trust also in him, knowing that he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness and the light and your justice as the noonday. And here's my favorite part. Rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Find peace in the Lord. Just turn to him and let him be the, 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 the pillow and the comforter that, that, you're, that you're, you're, you're laying on. And patiently wait for him. Just wait. Be patient. Isn't that one of the fruit of the Spirit? Being patient. And that's what we're supposed to be. When, 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 we're, when, we, when we are looking around and in the next verses or the next lines here says, uh, because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes. When we're seeing people do evil and, and benefit and, 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 and um, uh, 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 get better things than us or, or prosper over us in these things, just wait patiently for God. Do not fret. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Be at peace. Rest in the Lord. Here we can kind of summarize this by saying, be holy. Don't give yourself over to sin. The, the, the sin of, of distress and of anger and wrath. And, and we need to preach these things to ourselves. Uh, th- that's, that's what I, I see here, that we need to pre- continue to preach to ourselves that we need to, we need to trust in the Lord and do good, that we, we need to dwell in the land and feed off his faithfulness, that we need to commit ourselves to the Lord, that we need to tr- rest in the Lord and to wait patiently for him. We need to have these, um, uh, these little, I don't know, little sermons, I guess, little TED Talks, l- little little encouragements from the coach to say don't give up turn to the Lord trust him Uh, do good dwell rest wait patiently don't fret cease from anger forsake wrath and be faithful seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you what you need he'll give to you and and what, what, what you do he will bless that's, that's his promises. And follow after God. Expand your hearts to him. And, and let him be the fulfillment of your heart that, that the, this materialistic prospering doesn't invade your heart and settle and take root and be the thing that leads you. And protect your heart from that. I mean, and protect your mind from that. Like, don't lust over... Uh, a person's car or, or even the fact that a, a person might not have a mortgage or that they're able to buy a house with cash right out or, or that their kids have all these, these toys or anything like that. All of those things will pass. All of those things will fail at some point. 
but just trust in God and wait patiently, knowing that he will continue to provide for you. Next, we demonstrate our trust in God as we wait, knowing that God is working. And we're going to look at Psalm 40 for this. I waited patiently for the Lord. Okay, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to wait patiently for the Lord. And what happens after that? He inclined to me and heard my cry. He didn't forsake those who are waiting on the Lord. He didn't pass them by. He didn't ignore them. He actually turned towards them. He heard the cry. We wait and we get the blessing of God turning towards us and hearing us. But it doesn't stop there. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. Sometimes when we're waiting on the Lord, there's a lot of confusion. There's, there's a lot of, we don't know which way to go. Does he want us to go left? Does he want us to go right? Does he want us to sit still? What does he want us to do? And it's like being a horrible pit where we're in this, in this, um, uh, this mud where, where every step we take, we sink. And it takes a lot of effort to, to pull our feet up out of this mud and to take another step. And, but we find that we keep sinking and then we pull up the other leg and we take another step and we sink. And we just can't find um, this, 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 this solid ground while we're waiting on him to, um, to, to answer us, to, to, to hear our cries. But there's a promise here that as we're waiting, that he will hear and that he will pull us up out of that and that he will establish our steps and set our feet upon a rock. He will stabilize us. He will give us good footing. He will, he will take the confusion away. And he will give us the path that we, we need to walk on. And then, it, doesn't, it still doesn't stop there. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. And here it goes. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. During this time, this patiently waiting time, knowing that God is working, that, that, that uh, in our waiting, that God is um, moving and acting, even if we can't see it, we're trusting him that he's doing it. He's going to put songs of praise in our mouth. We're going to be worshiping God. We're, it might be a literal song we're singing, but in but I, I believe that this will be coming from, out from the joy that's in our hearts of delighting ourselves in the Lord and that, and, and that he will, um, as we're waiting like that, that other, God will use that for others to see that work in us that God is doing and that uh, many others will see it They'll fear it. They'll revere it. They'll be like, what's with this guy? He should be in deep depression, going nuts, 
not, not thinking clearly, making a bunch of mistakes, tripping and falling, but he's not. This person is, is, looks like their feet are upon a rock and the, the every step that they take is a good step, a good marker. You got something that I don't have. And what, will ha- what is promised here? Many will see it in fear and will trust the Lord. They will see how we patiently wait, uh, trusting that God is working, and folks will come to trust the Lord through that. We also demonstrate our trust in God as we wait for his mercy. Uh, Psalm 123 here, verse 2, has one of the coolest, um, I guess, metaphors here. That the, the, This picture is just so awesome. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, servants, lowly, insignificant, they're to wait on the master, they're to serve the master, they're there to, for, uh, uh, to, to clean the master's toilet, to, to clean, uh, bring meals to the master, hopefully not closely together. But what they're doing is that they're humbling themselves and looking towards the master, towards the hand of the masters. As the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, again, lowly, insignificant, serving, looking up to her mistress. This is how we should be looking to God. So our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. We come to him humble. Understanding that in comparison to God that we are insignificant, that he is great and awesome and magnificent and, and glorious and just this, this, this endless array of beauty. And, and we're not that. But we, and we, so we have this posture of humility, trusting that he will bestow the riches of his mercy upon us. And those riches of mercy might be the work that he has for us, the love that he has for us, or the son that he has given to us on the cross to die in our place. But it's God giving over his mercy as we wait and trust upon God. And so we demonstrate our trust in God as we wait on him. But we don't just demonstrate our trust in God, we demonstrate our hope in God. And this is not an anemic, vanilla cake kind of hope uh, that has bland frosting on it, but it's a hope that's, that is like a birthday cake. Or, yeah, or, hold on, birthday-flavored birthday cake. You know how it has all those different little colors on the inside and how it's like super extra sweet and it's just bursting forth with life. Well, well that's the kind of birthday cake I like, by the way. Anywho, um, but that's the kind we, of hope that we have. We don't just, we have this hope that, that is expectant here. And we see that in Psalm 130. My soul waits for the Lord. 
more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. When we're driving our cars, going to work early in the morning, and, we're, and it's dark, the sun hasn't come out yet, and we're driving and we're scanning our horizon here, we're watching all this darkness past us, what do we expect? Do we expect that the darkness will just continue and continue and continue? Probably in Alaska for a few months. But we're not, we don't live in Alaska, and that's not what this is talking about. There's this expectation that that sun will start rising. And while it's rising, that um, the darkness is being pushed out. And all this light is coming. And we expect that because we're confident that so long as this world stands, that that will happen. That's what hope is. We're confident in, 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 in this expectation that we have that it will happen here. And that's how we ought to wait for the Lord, with that kind of hope. Knowing that like the, the sun that will, will rise and push all that darkness out, that God will work that God is working, and that whatever he's working and planning, that those things will happen because whatever God says he'll do, he'll do. We also see this hope in the New Testament. Um, the, the, the first one is in Philippians chapter 3, in verses 20 through 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait, for the Savior of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're expecting his return. We're confident that he is coming back. And then he goes on to say, who will transform our lowly body, our sin-riddled body, our decaying body, our, our breaking down body, our dying bodies, the eyes that fail, the hearing that we lose, the, 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 the backs that, we, that, that, that give out on us, the, the, the knees that don't work, the loss of, of, of control of our muscles. He will transform those bodies that it may be conformed to his glorious body where there is no more death, there is no more decay, there is no more breakdown. There's just life everlasting. And we have this, this great expectation. We eagerly, eagerly wait for this because he was raised from the dead. He defeated death. He conquered death. And now he's in this glorious body that will never see death again. He's in this body that, that will never need sleep again, that will never get sick again, that will never hunger again. So we look at his resurrection and we confidently wait and expect for his return because he said he will, because he's already conquered death and that our bodies will be transformed and conformed to his glorious body. And then in James chapter, chapter 5, uh, he talks about this injustice that's happening and he says, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Well, what does that look like? Well, it looks like this, he says. 
See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the earth and, 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 later, and later rain. I didn't ask Russ if I could use his name, but that's okay. He's cool with it. Russ prepares the, the land. He plants the seeds. And then what does he do? He gets down in that dirt and he massages every seed and encourages every seed to die, to break, and to grow into beautiful crops, right? No. He does the work that he's supposed to do. The, the farmer waits. The rain comes. And he waits for that, um, that precious fruit of the earth to come up. And that's how we're to wait for God, for the Lord, for the second coming of our Savior. That's how we are supposed to wait. We're supposed to be patient in that, knowing that it's going to come. Like the fruit of the earth that, that um, Russ confidently expects, hopes to see. It's not, a, it's not a hope based off nothing. It's a hope that's based on, on evidence. Um, and that's how we're supposed to wait for the Lord. We're supposed to establish our hearts knowing that or for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And so we demonstrate our hope in God as we wait, expecting him confidently to, to work, to come, um, and to, to give us the, 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 uh, our daily needs the rescue, the refuge that we need? How are we doing with waiting on God like that? Is anyone doing that perfectly? I know I'm not. I know that I get easily flustered. Um, I get easily impatient when things don't go the way that I, that I want them to or think that they should go. Sometimes I get jittery just sitting around waiting for things to happen. Like, why isn't it happening now? Why are the emails coming in so slow? Why don't we have a decision here? Why do I have to keep waiting? I want answers now. Aren't we all like that? I mean, don't, I can't be the only one who gets stuck in my own head trying to figure things out when I, I know that I not only have limited information, even if I have 90% of the information, it's still limited. God has 100% of the information. He's the only one who knows fully what is going on. Instead of coming to him in prayer, and like James 1 says, and asking for wisdom, I try to think things through and try to figure things out in, 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 my, in my mind and in my brain that, that is still part of this lowly body. And so, in that flustered state, you know, we put our own plan into play, right? And we do this with jobs. We always think that the grass is greener on the other side, so we're, we're always on Indeed.com, or, or, or we hear things and we jump there. We're applying for this, applying for that, applying for that. Oh, I'll make more money there. I'll go there. Well, the, the work environment stinks, so I'm going to come back over here. Well, what if I go over there? There seems to be like a lot of nice people. There's no room for advancement, so I'm going to come over here. And so we just get in this routine of 
moving and not really going anywhere, just running around in circles. We don't hear the counsel of others thinking that we know enough. And then we kind of get stubborn like a French bulldog. My dog came with a collar and I, you know, to walk her. Um, and I was like, well, that can't be good for a dog that already has breathing problems to, to have a collar on the neck. To, well, I got her a harness. I put the harness on her. She sits down and she won't budge. I'm like, come on, come on. She just would not have it. And then she looked at me like I was the fool here. And so we went back to the collar. But we can get like that with, with God too, right? We, 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 we don't wait on him. And so we sit down, probably more like a child, and just kind of pout and, 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 and uh, kick up our, you know, throw up our arms and whatnot. And while we're doing that, everything we know about God kind of disappears from, from our, 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 at least our actions, right? I heard it once said as, it all goes flying out the window. Um, so uh, there, I heard the story of, uh, of, a, of a pastor, him and his wife were driving around, um, I don't know where it was, but he was driving on the road, and he said he knew how to get to the destination. But then they eventually got lost. And his wife kept saying, why don't we pull over and ask for help? And he started getting impatient, he started getting angry, he started getting flustered, and he started yelling at his wife. And he said, everything I knew about God and what, how he would want me to be just went flying out the window in that moment. And, and it, he had to humble himself and kind of and, and, and collect himself and, and repent from all that and, and, and then uh, just get back on to um, being who's, what God would expect him to be. But we do that too. We dismiss his sovereignty. Well, if he hasn't done this the way we want, then I guess he can't do it, so why would I go to him? We bury his goodness under our anxiety. Instead of thinking, oh, God is good. God loves me. God, you know, God is looking out for me. He gave me his son, but he, uh, I don't think he's going to give me all these other. He's not going to do me well in this situation. And so we start to get worked up. We start to get anxious, and we start to, and start to not trust in God anymore. Our, our, our trust becomes like a, a balloon that's open and deflating, just flitting around all over the room, and, and then on, just waiting until it crashes onto the floor. And we lose hope. Seems like we lose hope when we're in when we're in conflict with other people, right? Um, uh, you know, it's either I'm not getting my way, or this must be the best that it's going to get. So, what are the options here? Do we just end this friendship? Do we end this relationship? Or, 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 or do we, or do we humbly come together and work it out? We lose our understanding of the power of God's grace. When we, when we lose our hope. Or when we're battling illnesses or receiving a diagnosis, or worse yet, when the doctor says, I don't know. We, I don't, we don't know how to treat this, how to, how to cure you. And so we adopt the fatalistic mentality. Well, I guess this is it. Let's just prepare for the end. 
God's not here. It's definitely not good. I don't even know if he loves me. Worse yet, doubt can creep in. You wonder, is he even there? And that's so easy for us to kind of slip into because we're dealing with our sinful nature. We're dealing with remaining sin that wants to drag us away and pull us away from trusting in God and hoping in God and just patiently waiting for him to work and to, to, to provide what we need in this moment. You know, I've been using uh, my, my dog as an illustration, but thank God our Heavenly Father doesn't look upon us as pets. Jeez, probably would have taken us out and, and put us down or just let us run off. But he looks down on us as children. And understanding our weaknesses, he provides for those. You know, the Bible says, in our weaknesses, strength is made perfect. I guess the, my question would be like, what or who's more perfect than Jesus Christ? Where we failed in trusting God, Christ has perfectly trusted God. The Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness, and three times he's um, confronted by the devil to, 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 um, to essentially test God. And every time he comes back and he preaches a portion of the scriptures to the devil. And when he's doing that, he's trusting in, in, in God. He's trusting in, in the word of God. He's trusting that God will get him through this. When he's in the garden and asking for the cup to be taken away, again, three times. The re his resolve at the end was for the Lord's will to happen, for God's will to happen in his life there. In his humanity, he didn't want to die. He wanted to preserve his life. He, he, in that regard, he knew that he wasn't supposed to die. But he had to die. And so he resolved to God's plan there. And he trusted the outcome of that. He also perfectly hoped in God in his waiting. I mean... If we look at Psalm 123 here, um, in everything that he um, did on this earth, he was looking to God for mercy, wasn't he? Yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. With full, being fully man, he, there was the, um, we, we see that in the garden he had, um, I guess, some anxiety going on. And so he's looking to the Father for mercy. He's looking to the Father for, for the provisions of food, uh, um, uh, for um, even the simple act of, uh, you know, he said that foxes have dens, and, um, but he has no place to lay his head. And so the mercy of God through others for, 
for supporting him and for ministering to him. And even when he's walking to that cross, there was still hope because he knew that he had to go through that cross to save us, but to get back to the Father. And he knew that was going to happen. He said that in the, in the Bible, that this temple will be, will be torn down in three days it will, be, it will be rebuilt. And he's talking about his body, his, his, his resurrection here. That he, he will defeat death. That he will be with his father again. That his father will be glorified through this. And that through that, we would be saved. And honestly, and maybe not, well, it is honest, but maybe more practically, our trust and hope in waiting for God begins in our trust and hope in Jesus Christ. If we don't have trust and hope in Jesus Christ, how can we wait on the God um, that, that we're denying? So we turn to him saying, I am weak. I can't wait the way you want me to wait. My trust tank drops. My hope tank drops. But I trust in the work of Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross, in his life, and his death, and his resurrection. And based off that, I know you will continue to supply all my other needs. You've given me the most precious, perfect gift. Why would you deny me of the simplest, insignificant gift of food, of bills being paid, of, of, of medical Doctors only being able to fix the body so many times or for so long, knowing that you will give me, you will, you will transform this lowly body and conform it to, to your glorious body. And we ought to keep our hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And we need to fuel that every day. And we need to, we need to um, like Jonathan said earlier in our devotions we need to keep coming back and 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 replenishing that and replenishing that and, and refilling that in that that our hope tank and our trust tank so that it would it would fuel the car of waiting on the lord and when we don't have any strength isaiah says that um and someone turned it into a song Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, as we wait upon the Lord, as we wait upon the Lord. That's a promise out of Isaiah, that we keep waiting, he will strengthen us. He will strengthen us the way he strengthened Christ, because through Christ we are one of his children now. So when we're dealing with all these issues here of 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 broken relationships, of broken bodies, of, of, of not knowing when the next meal's coming or the next um, bill's going to be paid. We look to our master and we expect, like the, the rising of the sun on, on, on a new morning, that he will come and he will incline himself to us. He will hear our cries and he will save us from um, our, our, or fulfill our daily needs and save us 
from the situations that we find ourselves in. He will deliver us. He's our refuge. And I hope that he's your refuge, that he's the first place to go. We're going to sing um, uh, Jesus. I can't remember the title, but I remember this. I was listening to a Tennessee um, Ernie Ford album, and this song came on. And the line that struck me was, take everything to him in prayer. Take everything to him in prayer. And that's what we should be doing. It's taking everything to him in prayer because that shows how much we trust him, how much we hope in him, and that we're willing, willing to wait for him to work and for his plan to work out in our lives in that situation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that, you are, that we are not alone that you are with us. So many times in the Bible you say you will never forsake us nor you will never leave us, Lord. And we are so thankful that um, uh, in Christ every promise is a yes. We're so thankful for you that you would um, encourage us in your word here and, and tell us and remind us that you are for us. That you want us to trust that you are for us and to hope to see that um, trust uh, worked out in our lives, Lord. So, Father, we just pray that you would um, continue to remind us of how dependent upon you we are. We thank you that you've given us so many blessings down here, whether it be family, this church family, Lord, that I've seen so many times come to my aid, come to others' aid. Lord, your will is working out here, and it's such a beautiful thing. And I pray, Lord, that for all the other churches, that this is a, a, a thing that keeps happening, that we glorify your name um, through waiting on you, Lord, and doing good and dwelling in this land and feeding off your faithfulness. Help us to continue to commit ourselves to you and to rest in you, Lord. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.